You're listening to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue with Adam Bartels. Welcome to Full Steam Ahead, a podcast about Purdue. In this episode, it is my privilege to welcome into the podcast the food truck scholar, Ariel Smith. Ariel, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, of course, I introduced her as the food truck scholar. She is the host of the Food Truck Scholar podcast. And that is a big reason we are talking today. We're gonna to get into that a lot here in a little bit. Um, Ariel, of course, some of our regular listeners, you might recognize her name or voice from a previous episode. Ariel was on the show back in February as we focused on uh, Black History Month up at Purdue, talking about the importance of that, events going on up at Purdue, and uh, of course also uh, focusing on a spring break trip that Ariel and some of her classmates were supposed to take. Of course, that was all about to happen right before coronavirus <laughs> ruined everything. But nevertheless, here we are, and I'm glad to uh, have you back on the show. It's good to be back. Well, like I mentioned, we we're going to talk a lot about the uh, Food Truck Scholar podcast here in a little bit. But before we jump into that, let's let our listeners get to know a little more or a lot more about you. Uh, talk about where you're originally from and how you made your way up to Purdue. Well, if my accent didn't give it away, I am a proud Birmingham native, uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I did my undergrad there at the University of Alabama at Birmingham. And then I like to say I just kept moving up 65, honestly. <laughs> just kept going up 65 north. So uh, graduated 2015, uh, started my master's degree at Vanderbilt University, and then I came to Purdue in 2017 to start my PhD. And now I am officially a PhD candidate. So I am almost done, Adam, almost done. Hey, the finish line is there. Um, talk about why Purdue, what, what it brought you here? Was it the studies or anything else? Well, you know, I was a, I'm a person that is really interdisciplinary by nature before I even knew that there was a term for interdisciplinarity. And so my undergrad was in business management and my master's degree was in education. So I've always been this person that loves the hybrid of studying the history of businesses, how businesses impact communities, ecosystems, economic development, all of that. But I also love learning about education because I feel like those two come together and for me, they're the heartbeat of a community in many different ways. But I just didn't feel at home fully in either discipline. And so a friend of mine that was taking, uh, uh, my friend was in an American Cultural Studies PhD program and he said, hey, think about American studies. And I was like, I don't know what that is, <laughs> but if it's gonna allow me to do my studies and like blend the two together, Okay. And so I started looking for places that had American studies programs and Purdue was one of them. Purdue actually has one of the leading American studies programs in the country. And so I looked at the profile of the university. I looked at the scholars that came out of there. I looked at the work of the current students and I said, you know, if I can get in, I think it's going to be a good ride. And it has been. Awesome. Well, we're glad you chose that and we're glad to, to have you here. Uh, talk about, um, you said you're at near the finish line here. What what comes next then after uh, you're done? Ooh, well, <laughs> that's, <laughs> a <little> question. <laughs> that's a million dollar question for many doctoral students is what comes next or any graduate for that matter. 
Uh, but what I'm doing now, I'm on the job market. I'm looking at um, business schools to be a professor, um, ideally in the entrepreneurship world, as I've been an entrepreneur. Uh, I am an entrepreneur right now. And I would love to be in a space where I can take all the different things that I've learned both in the business school and outside of it, come back to the business school and then find ways to implement it where I'm involved with the community and doing a lot of partnerships because that's how I got that real hands-on experience, that experiential learning, and I want to be able to do that for students as well. Awesome. Do you think you want to stay in the area? Are you looking to go somewhere else in the country and explore? You know, what kind of concerns me about Indiana is the snow. You know, I said I'm from Alabama. You know, we shut down when there's a quarter inch of snow. So <laughs> I cried the first year. So, you know, ideally maybe somewhere that has less snow, but I don't know how I necessarily feel about Alabama heat right now, Adam. So kind of open. You can choose your battles, right? I don't know which battle is harder to fight right now. I'm not sure. You know, I've lived in Indiana my whole life and I, I don't mind the snow a lot, but I understand when people say that. There's there's winters. I'm like, do I still want to be here? But, I think it's uh, the ice. I think it's the ice for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I feel that. So, We'll talk about, you know, the, the, the few uh, three years or so you've been at Purdue now. Talk about some of your favorite things to do on campus or your favorite memories while you've been there. Wow, you know. I think it's hard for me to talk about my favorite memories on this campus and not talk about the Black Cultural Center. So I've been involved there literally since the moment I got here. I've worked there as a night manager. Um, I'm now the scholar in residence. This is my second year. And I love it for so many reasons. Uh, I've been able to travel all across the country because of them. You know, we've been to New York. Um, we had a New Orleans trip that was planned, but there was a, a hurricane scheduled and they still found a way for us to go and have this retreat and bring artists from New Orleans where even though I wasn't there, the spirit of the city came with me. And so um, I love being there doing all the bead activities bead making activities, the music. Uh, it's one of the few places you might see me dance if I have to for a production. <laughs> That's typically not my thing. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed that. I enjoy, um, this might sound silly, but I love seeing the uh, Boilermaker special, the train, ride through campus. I think that's kind of cool. I really want to get on it and ride it before I leave here. So it's on my bucket list of things to do. And um, also, I love just being downtown sometimes during like Mosey Down Main Street. I know it's been different. Uh, because of COVID, but I really enjoy just seeing the local businesses come together. I really love the small business community and how everything is so tight-knit here. So I've just really enjoyed being a part of that community. Awesome. Love to hear that. And of course, you know, you along with Renee were on my podcast before, and then I had Renee on there another time before that, kind of just uh, featuring and focusing on the, uh, the Black Cultural Center up there, just all the great work she and others are doing up there. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Also had, um, I don't know if you got a chance to check it out, but I've had Dr. John Gates on my podcast a couple times lately, just talking about uh, racial reconciliation and all the, the racial tensions that's been going on throughout the country lately, and uh, just how Purdue has responded. I know they've had, a, I think, a couple now of um, uh, peaceful protests. Um, your thoughts on how Purdue has just kind of responded to what's going on? Well, I, I think it's needed to have these conversations. Um, I think we need to have deeper conversations because uh, it's not lost on me that 
while we did have Ibram Kendi, who is one of the leading scholars, and some people say at this moment in time, probably one of the most forth, uh, foremost scholars that we have on race, at the same time that we had that conversation with him, we we're also having the issue of uh, budget cuts and funding cuts being done to African-American studies, American studies, women, gender, sexuality studies, Native American and Indigenous studies, uh, critical disability studies, Latino studies, and so on and so forth. So it's kind of hard for us to have these type of reconciliations when we're, you know, cutting the funding to the programs that actually do that. Um, I feel like at this moment in time, it's very critical because we're in a space in this country where uh, there is a need for education. I, I believe in education first. Um, for the sole fact that we can't judge, we can't critique what has not been taught. And I believe that Purdue has a very unique position to provide this type of education. Um, and in fact, Purdue is home to one of the oldest African-American studies programs in the country. I believe it was founded like 1971, 1973, early 70s. Uh, the first Black Studies program was in 1968. So we're out there. Uh, our Black Cultural Center is number one in the country. So there is opportunity for education to occur. Uh, the reason why I love the work of the Black Cultural Center is, is for educational advancement. Yes, it's a place for Black students to feel at home and safe, but at the same time, its purpose is to educate not just Black students, but also not the entire Purdue community and the greater Lafayette community as a whole. And I feel as if when we cut those resources, we're doing the greater community a disservice and not just the students, faculty, and staff that may have um, that racial, cultural, ethnic identity. Yeah, well hopefully we can reverse course on that and so we continue to have these conversations. Can you talk about it? Love seeing Purdue doing this Pursuing Racial Justice series uh, this, uh, this semester. Hopefully yes. these conversations will prevent that from, you know, further spiraling or whatever. Um, well, thank you for, for opening up about that. I, I, obviously, I feel it's a really important topic, so glad to get your input on that. Um, well, moving, go ahead, sorry. No, you're good, I just said thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. Well, a huge reason we are talking today is the, the Food Truck Scholar podcast that you are the host of. Well, let's talk about that, let's dive in. Um, talk about the brain, the, the, how this uh, all came to be. I think the short of it is, Adam, I love food. <laughs> I love food. You know, when I look back on it, it should have been a no-brainer that I was going to do something related to food. I mean, come on, Adam. I, I had the Easy Bake Oven as a child, um, and I started realizing my aunt who raised me, my great aunt, she bought me every like little cooking thing known to man. And I think part of it is because half of them I asked for and half of them she herself wanted to just try. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it was part of that. So I've always been surrounded with food, always been fascinated by street vending. The year that I graduated undergrad and the year before, our student center was torn down and we actually had food trucks come in to the campus. And so that was one of my first exposures. And I was like, you know what? I may or may not want the student center to come back because I like this food. <laughs> um, but I never thought of it as a research topic. It really became more of a research topic um, around 2017. I'm looking at... Um, Instagram as any millennial. I'm on Instagram looking at all of my friends and we're 
posting our food and they're posting all these restaurants that I hadn't seen before. And they were all food trucks and the plates were amazing. <laughs> and at that moment in time, I felt disrespected, Adam, because... <laughs> No, because I had given Birmingham the best years of my life. I'm his native daughter. And here you go, having all these restaurants pop up after I leave? <laughs> <laughs> no. like So I wanted to know why. Like, why now? Why in this particular moment? Was it because of gentrification? Was it just a food renaissance? Like, what was going on to explain that? And specifically that it was an uptick in Black-owned restaurants at that moment. So I was trying to, you know, correlate what the reasons were. So I turned to research and no one really had that information. So it was just a curious thing. But then I got to class the next day and my professor said, so how are those midterm papers coming? And I and every other student in seminar said, <laughs> he said, you know what, don't worry about your dissertation. Just what is the question that's on your mind right now? And so that was my question is, why are food trucks in Birmingham popping up like this? Is it tied to gentrification? Is it this? Is it that? And he said, huh, that's a very interesting take on that. I really like that thought. I said, you do. Ah. I think I'm gonna stay with this. And so I have, I realized that, you know, I could write papers and eat and it both be brilliant and great. So I stayed with it. Awesome. So this all started in U at UAB or once you- I uh, started, started here at Purdue. So okay. like I've been exposed to food trucks since UAB, but it wasn't until I came here to Purdue my first year in a seminar course, first semester that it really became a research topic. Nice. So do you take a lot of field trips back to, to Birmingham to check these out? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, 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 I went home last month uh, for my mom's birthday. And of course, I would have went home to see my mom. I love my mom. But it was also a great opportunity for me to scout out new trucks. So absolutely, any trip I can can get on and use it for an excuse to go see a food truck, I'm, I'm all about it. Awesome. And so what year did the, the podcast itself actually start? Uh, March of 2019. So we're a year and a half old. Awesome. And talk about the, the focus. Is it Southern food, any kind of food? Uh, like you talked about the, the Birmingham and all the, 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 the explosion of that or um, just anything? <laughs> it's all about the food truck industry. So the first two seasons, we're on season two now. Um, it was just what food truck is out there i want to hear your story how did you get started why did you get started what's on your truck tell me about your ingredients what lessons have you learned along the way mm -hmm. and so that has been everybody a lot of people have been from the south but we also had people from tacoma washington we had people from portland oregon we've had people um from dc we've had some people from philly we got some people from texas uh, a lot from the southeast of course, we've had people from West Lafayette, so uh, Guac Box, Matt Biscuit, you know, he, he's on the show. We're actually retaping ours now due to COVID. Uh, so people in Chicago. So we've had people from all over. Um, it's funny that you asked this right now. I actually asked my audience uh, yesterday if I did little mini seasons. So instead of a big full season, if I just did mini seasons that focused on a particular city, which cities would they want me to go to? And they've listed Vancouver, they've listed Toronto. I was like, okay, so we're branching out to yeah. US and um, all different types of things. You, you never know who you're going to find on the Food Truck Style Podcast. Love it. 
And so you mentioned season two, season two just released, just recorded, and where are we at as far as episodes? So we're actually wrapping up season two. Can you okay. believe it? So I, I started filming season two back in September. So before COVID hit, and so some of these stories are coming out, and I'm actually getting DMs saying, you know what? I'm glad that you released it now because I needed to hear the motivation behind my business in the midst of this. Mm. So we're wrapping up season two and I'm actually getting ready for season three. Awesome. Um, talk about the process behind that. Do you record a bunch at one time and then edit them over a period of time or, you know, edit or record and release weekly? How does that work for you? So the first season, uh, it was releasing every single week. Okay. So I put out 33, 35 episodes. And I realized as a grad student, that may not have been the best decision for me to make. <laughs> and so I really didn't think it was going to be that many. I, I thought that if I could get 25, I was going to be stellar. If I got 10, I would be great. But I ended up recording about 40 episodes that semester. And I was like, I have to take my exams. And so what I did was this season, I've made them every two weeks. So I have a calendar. Uh, people are able to book times with me to record. And based upon that, you know, I try my best to go in order of recording them. So whenever I record them, I have a schedule for when they're going to be released. Cool. Awesome. We'll look forward to seeing some more come out there. Um, Talk about events. Do you ever take the podcast out to events and record live or you just do it all there in the studio, which, you know, if you're watching this on our website, you can see Ariel's in her studio right now. Um, are all re episodes recorded in there? Have you ever taken them any live out in the field or anything like that? So actually the very first podcast episode I ever did was out in the field in Peoria, Illinois. Okay. And so I'm actually going to re-release that one because I want people to hear, you know, <laughs> like how we really started was before the podcast, I was doing it uh, in the field. And then I went from that to Instagram lives and then from Instagram lives uh, to the podcast. So the challenge I sometimes had was you, and you know, this as a podcaster, you know, sound is sometimes so difficult to control. And mm -hmm. during that episode, there was literally a guy that was riding his lawnmower. He saw <laughs> us set up and was like, now it's the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, I would get frustrated with that sometimes. But, you know, uh, COVID, we're willing, you know, just see how COVID goes. Uh, I would love to one day do a, uh, a live session again, and hopefully there's no lawnmowers. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. You just, you know, do you, I don't know if you've organized or been to, like, any events, if, if they have those up there in West Lafayette or Purdue where there's, you know, a parking lot full of food trucks. That would just kind of be cool to, to see something like that or whatever. But that's my that's my dream. I think some people love being in a mall. <laughs> I love being in food truck parks and festivals. I think that's the mall for me. Uh, the other part of the question that I really I didn't answer is that we just did some webinars. So we did some webinars on food entrepreneurship. Um, on Black food entrepreneurship specifically, given the recent climate of COVID and how many uh, Black-owned restaurants had had to close because of that. So we started, you know, doing some webinars to teach them uh, some strategies on how to adjust. So uh, did a lot with marketing, online menu creation, um, online delivery, your first year of food trucking. And I'm really looking forward uh, to actually partnering 
with a couple of other food truck festivals and organizations in other states uh, that put on phenomenal mobile food conferences every year. They're going to do their first virtual one, and I'm looking forward to being a part of that. Um, and I'm also looking forward to putting on some events that's going to be open for everybody, whether you're a food trucker from whatever background you're from, whatever state you're from, I'm looking forward to putting out some content like that as well. So definitely be on the lookout for that. Awesome. I love it. And I'm glad you, you mentioned uh, the further studies because again, this is part of your, you know, your grad studies here. This is bigger than just the podcast for you, right? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I wanted the dissertation to be more than just something my committee reads and like, okay, you are now Dr. Ariel D. Smith. I, I wanted it to be, you know, like food truck owners are taking their time out of their schedule to sit down and talk to me and to share their stories with me so that I can do, you know, my career. So I felt that it would only be right that I created a platform where it's actually beneficial to them and, you know, to other people as well. So I really want to see this grow. I want to be like Guy Fieri. You know, he's in his little red drop-top convertible. I want to be in my blue Kia just riding down the street going to somewhere else to check out food. That's what I want to do. Love it. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Uh, okay. If you can't pick, you can't pick. I, I can't imagine this, this is going to be a tough one. Your favorite food truck you've ever experienced. <laughs> and if that's too hard to pick, maybe the, 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 the best food or even what your go-to look for food anytime you see a food truck or food trucks. So I think one of my favorite food trucks I ever had, I was in Hawaii in November. And it's, it's called Iron Grill. Yeah, I think it's called Iron Grill. <laughs> and it's a customizable hibachi truck. And I love hibachi food. And it was just great. Like, I love the portions that you can get when you're in Hawaii. Like, everything's going to cost you about $14 to $20, but you don't care. Because the sizing is just absolutely amazing. So if I had to, you know, just go on the spot and pick one that has been my favorite, I, I want to go back to Hawaii just for that truck. Um, desserts, I got to say the beignet bar is probably my favorite because who doesn't love beignets? Mm. And not only that, but you can get peach filled beignets, Adam, <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. So okay. I, I think I did pretty good with that. That's always a hard one for me to answer. Yeah, but I, 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 <laughs> that is tough. I, uh, I haven't had the beignet bar. You said that's in Nashville. I, I had my first experience with beignets down in New Orleans when I was visiting my sister uh, about 10 years ago. And man, those are, those are really good. Got to get some more. Well, if we have any listeners in Hawaii, you'll have to go check out the Iron Grill food truck in Hawaii and uh, take Ariel's word for that and go, uh, go check it out. Hold it, hold her to it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Ariel, I've really appreciated and enjoyed our time. As we're kind of wrapping up, anything else that you feel that is important to add that I maybe didn't ask? Well, um, so I'm very excited for season three to be coming out. So make sure that you're following the Food Truck Scholar on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm looking forward to some events that's coming out. Also, as Scholar-in-Residence for the Black Cultural Center, um, as you know, we can't really do our normal research tours the way we usually do, but we are doing some virtual tours um, for our students. So they're going to learn about Puerto Rico. They're going to learn about Brazil as just two examples. And so be on the lookout for a lot of the productions that we're going to do based around that. So. I'm just 
very excited to see what 2020 is still going to do. There's still some hope, y'all. We still got some good things planned for 2020, and I'm very excited about them. Yeah, so we got to keep our keep our heads up and keep a positive attitude as we fight through these uh, challenging times for sure. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the 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 social medias. Um, <clears throat> if you don't mind, just go ahead and uh, give out the handles that way. If anybody's listening or watching and want to follow you on Twitter or Instagram or anything, how can they find you? Absolutely. So on Instagram, it is the at the food truck scholar. You can also find me on Facebook, the food truck scholar. And then on Twitter, it is at food truck scholar. That's S C H O L A because they wouldn't let me get all my characters. But even if you type in the food truck scholar on Twitter, they'll still pop me up. So either way, I'm there. Good deal. Yeah, I had that same issue when I was trying to figure out a Twitter handle for this podcast. Like, they won't take full steam ahead podcast. <laughs> too long. It's a little creative sometimes. You settled on full steam pod. Cool. Ariel, thank you so much again for your time. It's been a blast and a pleasure uh, talking to you and learning a lot more uh, about the, uh, the, the podcast and just your studies. That's really cool to hear. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Yes. Godspeed and best of luck as you uh, continue on up there at Purdue. All right. Keep trucking. All right. Boiler up. <laughs> a reminder, you can follow the Full Steam Ahead podcast on Twitter at Full Steam Pod. And you can always listen to, like, Comment, subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and tune in. Thanks again for listening to the Full Steam Ahead podcast. Until next time, I'm Adam Bartels.